The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon. Well, good morning. This is Sumner County Spotlight. And as mentioned before, this is Jeff Shannon. I'm your host for this uh, illustrious show. And we've got some great guests coming in here. And our first guest of the day, we got to have our Honorable Mayor Paige Brown of the city of Gallatin. And, you know, I was quite impressed that you're the 62nd mayor of Gallatin. I am. Wow. I know. Galton has a long history, doesn't it? Really it really does. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's an amazing. And I guess you've been there since 2015. I have. I started in January of that year. I was elected in 2014. And it's really hard to believe that I'm wrapping up my seventh year. It's wild. And, and time does fly oh, for, it does. for sure. And, uh, you know, and the city continues to grow. I mean, the growth is just astounding mm-hmm. with everything you got going on there with the products and businesses coming in that wanting to, to be here in Middle Tennessee. It's uh, pretty impressive. And, you know, the city's growing. You got, what, over 44,000 folks in there now, and mm-hmm. uh, it's still going. It is. It <laughs> is. Um, thus is Middle Tennessee. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's um, unusual times we're in, certainly. And Tennessee and certainly Nashville and the surrounding areas have never been so popular. I laugh sometimes because I think back to, you know, a decade or 15 years ago when we were trying so hard to attract some investors to Gallatin mm-hmm. because we had, you know, we had dreams and we had needs and we had desires and we just could not get the investment that we felt would be sustainable make our city sustainable and now we're trying to get people to visit and go home (laughs) you know we don't want them to come and live there anymore and and yet you're trying to balance all the challenges and dynamics that come with this unprecedented growth in the middle tennessee area and it's exciting but it's very very challenging well, I mean, just trying to keep up with, you know, with everything and then with the population growing like it is and the, and 100 plus people a day, which seems like there's more than that coming here at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. because the housing market is just over the top. I mean, it, it's insane. It's insane to those of us who are from here. It's still a bargain to the people that aren't from here. Totally. And therein lies the, you know, one of the big challenges is when you've got people that will buy property sight unseen at more than we would ever dream of paying you have a housing inventory shortage. Mm-hmm. And so builders are, or, you know, investors are looking at us as, hey, this is a sure bet. And mm-hmm. so they're coming here trying to grab up property and put up more houses and trying to guide that and balance that. I mean, when I was first elected seven years ago, I could tell you every development that was that had been approved or was in progress in the city of Gallatin. Now I'm like, okay, which one are you and and where is it? And remind me again what the plan is because I can't keep up with them. There's so many that have been approved. We have on our website a comprehensive list of everything and you know where it is in the process. 
And I tell people, I said, back when people would get stuff approved and a decade later it still would not have been executed. Now people are getting to prove, getting getting projects approved and they're digging the next day. Amazing. It's, it's amazing. But I still believe that there are projects out there that are approved that won't get the financing or or the concept will change over time because not everyone is as well capitalized. Mm-hmm. And and so I think we'll just because it's an approved project doesn't mean it's going to happen but certainly more than used to certainly do happen yeah. and happen quickly well the the commercial growth i think is impressive you know with you know of course the big announcement of facebook mm-hmm. coming in is, was like well, people didn't expect that but right that you know it's a surprise for us too because when you're courting these companies you're not sure who you're courting you just know what their investment is and what the jobs are and and how they look to you know, individuals. Mm -hmm. And so we've had a lot of industrial growth. We focus, you know, Gallatin has its own economic development agency. And so as much as we focus on attraction, we also focus on retention. And so on the retention piece, the thing, you know, that you never get showcased is how our local companies that have been in existence are actually growing and increasing their capital investment and increasing the number of jobs that they have. You may have seen that Gap just recently announced that they're taking on more of their online fulfillment duties for the company. They're adding 600 jobs there. And then we have companies that are adding, you know, 10 or 50 or 100 new jobs. And, and their wages are in, over the top. They're, and they're still having trouble finding people to work. They which, are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talk about all the challenges. And I think the workforce challenge is actually nationwide, but it's exacerbated in Middle Tennessee because there's yeah. such competition. And a lot of our industries, their models are not built upon the wages that are being demanded by employees mm-hmm. now. And so I think in time, you'll actually see some of these companies relocate to other parts of the country where they can find employees for the wages that fit their business model. I don't foresee a lot of that, but I do, I I won't be surprised when that happens. Um, The good news is, is that my dream has always been increased prosperity for our residents. And we are seeing that. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the caveat being that we're also (laughs) seeing this increased inflation. And so trying to get that perfect stasis is just, (laughs) it's a a pipe dream, but it is in reality. Glad our residents are making more money. They've had the opportunity to increase their skills. Now we have companies willing to train people. You know, Rosenden is one of the, is the electrical contractor associated with the Facebook project. Mm -hmm. They were hiring people at $20 an hour and training them and guaranteeing them jobs when Facebook's long gone. And sometimes giving them sign-on bonuses. Mm-hmm. Giving them bonuses. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, we, we've we've struggled with attraction in our city workforce. So. Well, I, I got to wondering at some point with these major companies coming into the area, if they actually come to you and say, okay, well, we can do this, but you have to guarantee that we have housing for them. Mm-hmm. So then maybe the, the apartments and condos and things like that become a thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, then the residents fight back against that. So it's like, doesn't matter what you do, it's gonna be wrong anyway, but. Well, and everybody that's moved here, and and you may have seen my state of the city recently, Mm -hmm. and I acknowledge that most of us aren't from here anymore. That's right. But everybody that moves here from other parts of the country, frequently Illinois, California, New York, Michigan, they feel like that nothing should change once they move here. Mm -hmm. But they fail to recognize that them moving here and spreading the story about what attracted them here is bringing their friends and their children and their parents (laughs) and their, you know, just everyone to the area. 
and so that housing challenge is a, is a is a tremendous struggle because to keep affordable housing which you have to sure or you won't have anywhere for your police officers and your teachers and your you know people that work at the movie theater or people that um, work in restaurants you won't have those people and then none of those services will be delivered and then economics 101 the key to affordability is supply and demand and sure. the supply is not there you know the average days on market for um, a home sale has been as low as like two days i think it's five right now mm-hmm. oh I, I can attest to that because we've been looking and it's like i'm at the point where it's like you know what i think i'll wait a year let this this craziness kind of settle down and i know people that are searching for houses are probably running into the same thing because mm-hmm. you get these people that are selling their, their houses and and making two or three hundred thousand profit mm-hmm. they come in and just put that they, they got all that bargaining and they just take it or they pay cash for it especially the like the folks coming from california oh, there was a, i heard the most insane story yesterday insane in 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 my in my world <laughs> but um somebody had bought their house for like eight hundred thousand they sold it like two years later for 1.3 million and then the people that bought the house from them turned around like within six months and sold it for 1.6 million. And what they were doing was having the exact same house built in a different location that was gonna cost them over $2 million. I mean- Crazy money. (laughs) Crazy money, and it was all cash. There were, were, and they weren't concerned. I mean, this, this market to people from California, like I said, still looks like a bargain. Yeah, it totally is. And you know, some of these houses, and we have many, here on on this side of the pond that are going for million two million dollars mm-hmm. i mean you know kelly clarkson's place was you know up for a while reba's place you know finally mm-hmm. but i mean that that's insane money but th- those are not normal properties either right but you know where average people are, are looking for houses back what a year or so ago it was the median house range was what 325 350 now it's you're talking half right. a million dollars yeah. as being the norm it's like how is that possible? How is that possible? And and I like you. We looked for a little bit, and then we we're like, forget it. I'm gonna stay right here. Um, I'm gonna pitch know, a tent out here on the lake. No, I'm just fine. <laughs> we're in my house, and I'm staying right there. Interestingly, last year the top ten most expensive homes sold in Sumner County were in Gallatin, mm-hmm. and that just blew my mind because. Isn't it? I forget that we do have a large market of very nice homes, not just in Sumner County, but specifically in Gallatin. Yeah. And, and again, well, I will say you're, the, the housing designs that I've seen, I see a house and I, I look in the listing, oh, that's a beautiful house. It's in Gallatin. Mm-hmm. So I don't... The, the, we would welcome the, you. The builders, you know, are, are really, their, their housing designs mm-hmm. are so much nicer than just putting up a brick square and stick it on some land with no landscaping no front steps you know you just want this little hallway you know coming into the deal it's it doesn't make sense but the developers and the, the builders of those properties are are coming up with some really nice looking properties. They are there, and and we do have many large production builders, mm-hmm. but then we still have quite a few custom home builders. And I think probably you know if you compare Gallatin to Hendersonville at this point in time, we just have more available lots, and there yeah. are not that many. Right. So. Well, and some of these builders, if they're coming into the complexes, you know, they're building a, a neighborhood. They've sold out of phase one. Mm-hmm. Now they're going. We'll let you know when phase two is yeah. going to open, yeah. and it's. It just seems to me like the only way to really get a house is just you got to build it new. Then mm-hmm. nobody's bidding with you or right. fighting you to, to get that. So you, you buy that and that's yours. Well, the thing I want for Gallatin so much is to start seeing some investment and redevelopment mm-hmm. because we, you know, being a 200 and 
however many year old community, we have many older older areas of town where homes could be rehabbed or um, properties could be taken down and redeveloped. Sure. And so uh, I keep trying to push that with our council and really just kind of with my conversations with um, developers and even individuals in the community because I want them to understand that it's, it's harder than buying a big open pasture and throwing up a bunch of houses. Yeah. That's the most meaningful thing that someone can do for our community. And so if someone really cares about community and livability, that's where I try and, and guide them. And we don't, we don't have anyone doing that yet, but <laughs> yeah. um, I'm very hopeful that we're going to see some of that soon. Um, we've been working with a couple of different groups that, that seem to see the opportunity there, have the experience, and are willing to make that large capital investment that to me is transformative in the most positive way for our city right and you know chris they always say you know you got to have rooftops Mm -hmm. and if you can bring in the rooftops of course that's going to help sales tax Mm -hmm. it's going to help the tax base it's going to help a lot of things if you're having the the rooftops there but a lot of people don't understand that Mm -hmm. they say oh we don't want that Mm -hmm. but for the city to continue to grow I mean, you've got to have rooftops. Now it comes, I guess it comes to a point, what do you do? Yeah, and truly growth is not our goal. Sustainability Mm -hmm. is our goal. Exactly. And um, the rooftops are what drive the commercial investment. And interestingly, again, another one of those things that we've had thrown at us that no one ever would have guessed about is COVID. And so with our growth in the last decade, we should have had a lot more investment in restaurants and retail than we have had. And I've had conversations with many national retailers that would say, we want to be there, but we're seeing what's happened with COVID. Or we want to be there, but your construction costs are so so crazy right now because of the high demand in middle tennessee that we're going to wait it out right have you heard from uh, some of the developers and the builders that they're actually holding off on taking any new contracts because they can't fulfill the the lumber prices are through the roof i mean everything is Mm -hmm. pretty much and labor yeah again and and then they can't get people Mm -hmm. or you can't get the supplies Mm -hmm. so it's like you know everything's on hold (laughs) oh our world has just been thrown into a, a turmoil that we're all um, challenged with all and, and frankly frightened by and absolutely and, but then there are so many people who are moving forward boldly um, with positive attitude yeah. and, and you know me that's that's <laughs> yeah. that what I want people to do and yeah. that's what I appreciate and that's what excites me we're talking with the mayor Paige Brown the city of Gallatin and we have a lot more to talk about we're going to go into this first break and we'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights since 1906 FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbag.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon here, and uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Mayor Paige Brown, the city of Gallatin. Mayor, I guess you just got this huge award recently. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was. I was very very honored and very flattered but certainly embarrassed and feeling undeserving at the same time but so, the tennessee municipal league okay each year they recognize uh mayor of the year for the state of tennessee and this year i was very surprised to be recognized in that capacity i work both in my work in middle tennessee with other mayors and then across the state with the municipal league i work with some of the most amazing leaders who have been mentors to me and to have that honor at this 
point, I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty flabbergasted by the whole thing. But very, but like I said, flattered. Ken Moore, who's the mayor of Franklin, who's actually currently the president of the Municipal League, he was the one that presented the award to me, and oh. he's he has been yeah. my my top mentor. I mean, yeah. I just I love how he conducts business. I love how he thinks about things. I love the energy with which he serves, and I look up to him so much. And so he presented that to me, and that made it even more meaningful. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, having the what a year or so ago the nicest city in the in the world it's been many years now it was actually in 17 yeah well i think it does i think it does um so how often did i guess that just comes up and they notify you hey guess what you're (laughs) well the nicest place in america no that was actually a submission you know submittal process and the way it happened i'll never forget it I um, I read when I dry my hair, and I was sitting on the floor reading Reader's Digest, drying my hair, and I saw this call where they were launching this nicest place in America mm-hmm. in an effort to promote civility in our country. Sure. And I, I appreciated what Reader's Digest was doing, and I thought, you know, this would be a good Gallatin submission. And so I got to the office that day, and I emailed it to a couple of people, and I said, I think Gallatin should enter this. And they were like, yeah, that sounds great. But nobody said, I'll do it. Yeah. And so a few days went by, and I just sat down at my computer and started, like, typing out stuff and attaching files and submitted it. And then a few months later, I get this call. I was at a conference in Murfreesboro, and it was this guy, and he's from Reader's Digest. And I said, okay. Well, he asked me some questions. He told me they were vetting some of the entries. I forget how many thousands of entries they And I was like, well, great. Well, then they call me back and say, you're one of, I don't know, 100 finalists or 250 finalists or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool, you know. And (laughs) and then um, they went, I I can't remember at what point they narrowed it down to maybe 30 or 25 or something like that. At that point, they'd already been in our community and we didn't know it. But then, I guess, I guess before we were named to the top 25 or whatever, mm-hmm. where people nationwide voted on them, they had people, like, spend a week in Gallatin. And then they and they actually, when they were here, they actually went to Nashville and would ask people about Gallatin. And, you know, were really doing their homework because they didn't want to award it to someone sure. that had some you know black eye that was going Mm -hmm. to come back and bite readers digest right and so they did lots of research they came here several times we were ultimately um named a finalist we were voted on nationwide and then somewhere along the way i got i got this call that they were going to come to our community and they wanted to have an event but they wouldn't tell me that we were it however however they framed it I, i thought it was just a recognition for being a finalist yeah yeah until in the mail they send me this big box they didn't tell me not to open it and so we opened it like the day before it's supposed to happen and i open it and there is this like huge version of a reader's digest cover with me and don bandy and um pastor jackson on it and nicest place in America. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I didn't tell anybody. And the announcement actually wound up getting postponed because they had that 
horrendous shooting in Chattanooga, and they mm-hmm. did not feel like it was appropriate time. Right. Yep. And so it was delayed a month or two, and I had to be quiet about that that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how long did it was, at the bit? <laughs> it was fun. It was yeah. it was really fun and a great <clears throat> honor for our city. Well, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, with everything you've got going on over there, I mean, the programs that you have, the, the staff, and, you know, you just hired a new fire chief. Jeff Beeman came over from, uh, I guess, West Tennessee. Germantown, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so he's seems like he's fitting in right, he, rightly well. And he's really happy here. And, mm. and you know, when you, when you relocate somebody from where they've always been, yeah. you really want them to find a home in your community. And I think that he and his family certainly will. Interesting man, has a lot to bring to our department. So pleased we chose him and he chose us. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to the future. One thing that I do wanna make sure I mention to you, you know, when I look back on my career as mayor, I think one of the things that we'll be most proud of will be our Miracle Park. And I'm it, just gonna talk about yeah. that. That was that was so impressive. Yeah. I was so happy to see that. It, it yeah. was a huge investment by our city to create not just the initial ask was from a lady on Facebook who who messaged me, and she wanted a wheelchair swing for her daughter. And so I went and I talked to David Brown, who's our parks director. And at the time, they were having some issues with these wheelchair swings because some people not in wheelchairs had gotten hurt by them. Yeah. He's like, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> and he, he wasn't dismissive of it, but he was like, you know, let's see what else is out there. Well, one long, and he came back to me and he said, I think we need to do this. And it was a huge playground, a ball field designed for you know, people of all abilities and a pedal park that you would, you know, accommodate wheelchairs and tricycles. And, and, and and so it was this huge, huge park and we applied for a grant from the state and we were successful in garnering. It was $500,000. I think the city had to put up a matching 500,000 and then we committed to raising the rest through donors. And probably a year went by and we decided, hey, let's go ahead and front the money on this and we Mm. will continue to raise donor funds. And we're still doing that. But we got that part built and it opened in the spring of this year. And that's just tremendous. It's the largest um, all ability accessible playground in the state of Tennessee. And then we have it married there with that ball field and that pedal park. No, it's it's within Triple Creek Park. Within Triple Creek. Which is a huge park anyway. I mean, that's massive there. Mm -hmm. It is. And 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 is that where you you do the fireworks there too? We do the Yes, the fireworks are fired from there. And that's where we have our festival associated with the Mm -hmm. 4th of July. Yeah. But people, you know, come to Municipal Park to view them as well. Yeah. And, and But, I mean, having that facility for, you know, the, those kids that normally could not participate in a normal playground is, you know, really exciting. Well, and not, gonna... not just kids, but parents. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are parents that get to be on a ball field with their kids for their first time or to mm-hmm. be on a playground with them for the first time because they've never had that opportunity to go if they're in a wheelchair right. or, or whatever the circumstance may be. But, um, you know, our, our parks in Gallatin, um, that song isn't sung like it should be. We have an amazing park system with, mm-hmm. you know, over 600 acres of parks, miles and miles of greenway trails. You know, we have a dog park. We have, of course, the Miracle Park now. Um, we also have apparently some of the best bike trails 
when you go out to our bike trail location, you'll see cars from Kentucky and Alabama all the time. And those people who ride mountain bikes love those trails. And then even beyond that, we have accesses at several points on Old Hickory Lake where people can either go fish, go launch their boat, or just go hang out by the lake. Our parks are still a bit of a hidden secret. And speaking of uh, the lake, I know there was a, a section there that I know that you're working on trying to improve. I don't know if it's there on... Uh, it's right on 31. You yeah, it's right. It. <laughs> so it has all the stumps sticking out yeah. of the ground, and which amazes me that you would think, oh, it looks pretty deep, but it's only like three or four inches deep right well, there. It's like, what? And, and, and the true... And, well, there's a, lot to, there's a lot to that area yeah, it is. that people um, need to realize. First of all, the man who lived on Station Camp Creek back when was a gentleman named Nat Caldwell. Nat Caldwell was a highly awarded and very significant journalist for his time. And so that park at some point was named Nat Caldwell in his honor. Mm -hmm. And it's owned by the Army Corps of Engineers, and it's where Station Camp Creek comes into Old Hickory Lake. Well, when the valley was flooded, silt started collecting there. When I was a child, I can remember going to watch um, water ski competitions right there where you see those stumps sticking out. They had a ski jump in that part of the lake, and there was a ski course. And so they would have, cars would line up and down Nashville Pike, and we would go and watch these competitions right there at Nat Caldwell Park. Well, you can get a canoe in there now, but (laughs) but it still might be dicey in areas. And so, you know, working with the Corps is is difficult because the Corps has has many goals and, you know, their properties. And so while they do encourage recreation, they also support the environment and proper ecology and so on and so forth. And so us trying to find a path forward where we can, in my mind, reclaim that area, make it the beautiful entrance to Gallatin that so many of us believe it should be, and make it accessible to, uh, you know, people who want to enjoy the water recreationally is something that we are trying to get to. We have a fabulous plan. The Corps is mostly on board. There's a few things that they said we couldn't do. One was when I was a kid, you could go under the bridge in a boat. And of course, back in the day, boats didn't have the towers or the yeah. or the poles that you see now. But you could go in there in a ski boat. And at the corner of that, that rock shelf, there were stairs that you could pull up to a dock, go up the stairs, go to the little village market that was that was placed there on what is now an empty paved lot, and you could go into the store and buy sandwiches or beer mm. or whatever yeah, it sure. was you wanted and go back down the steps to your boat. Of course, then we can't do that, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but we are trying to create um, an educational component, uh, a component that helps the fish um you know like an ecological system where the fish will have a habitat and probably other wildlife and then there would be um trails around kayak launch etc so i guess with the core the dredging is probably out of the question trying to make a net deeper through there are they going to clear those stumps out of there certainly it would need to be dredged and and everything they get real picky about that they do get very picky about that and so we think that we have made a case for basically digging out a channel, but having these you know fish habitats, mm-hmm. as I described them, a 
along the edges that would sustain and get that flow going again because mm-hmm. it's it's 50 years of silt at this point well, and, I, and, and i guess i mean the first thing that comes to my mind is when you especially with the lake and as popular as it is that the river walk kind of concept would mm-hmm. be a thing but apparently that doesn't fly with the core that to to allow that <laughs> well and, and there and, and with our net caldwell redevelopment there actually is a component of that because right. southeastern has the property on the other side of the water body okay. of water from the road and they're actually doing kind of a multi-use project there in a way a bit continuing what we know as kennesaw where mm. uc kennesaw has um you know, some retail up at the front, mm-hmm. has some apartments, has some single family, has the connected tall skinny homes. And so they're they're doing another sort of similar development. But there's also some potential corporate sites in there. And also realize up above this body of water is the NHC assisted living. So you've got the opportunity there to create that kind of opportunity to some degree. I'll also think about in the future for Gallatin or the county or Hendersonville, but on the river, there could be some opportunity for, I always think that a hotel and conference center or a hotel, a resort and conference center would be a great addition to this area because smaller conferences like for nonprofits or government sure. or whatever, a lot of times we get sent to West Tennessee yeah. um, or Murfreesboro or um, because Nashville, the costs are just so high to Crazy. have a have a small conference. And so I think we could really attract conferences and that way you would have business-centric or nonprofit or government conferences mm-hmm. there during the week. And then on weekends, you can have recreational tourists mm-hmm. that come there to kayak or boat or fish. And well, I think it'd be great if they, and that's the one thing I was surprised. I mean, coming from Orlando, mm-hmm. you got convention space out the wazoo. I Everywhere. mean, there are huge conference spaces because that's a major area that I was so, so surprised. Even the hotels that their conference spaces were like mm-hmm. hold 50 people or 100 mm-hmm. people. Why couldn't we not have a, an event facility? Now, there's a couple of them that are around mm-hmm. that can hold some some meetings, but to have an, a, a convention center kind of concept where, where you can have these massive, and, com- and which brings in the tourist dollars and the sales tax and employment and everything else for these huge convention centers. I mean, it, I, I don't know the inner workings of, mm-hmm. about bringing something like, of course, it's all about money. Yeah, it's all, it's exactly. <laughs> Somebody who has the money, they can you build. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, well, and, and there is, you know, something to me that would be comparable in Rutherford County with their, um, I think it's an embassy suites, the one in Franklin and mm-hmm. Williamson County is also an embassy suites. But both of those are in very urban settings. And I think that if you could create one on the water, that you would have a very unique appeal. Absolutely. So that people could come to, you know, a city like Gallatin and it not be just about shopping and restaurant opportunities. Right. Yeah. You'd actually have the water piece of it so you can um, work and play and, yeah and it's kind of similar to what i said we get sent to in, in west tennessee mm-hmm. so that's All right. another well, of my big dreams well one day well i won't see it in my time of service <laughs> for sure hey we're talking with uh, mayor Paige brown with the city of gallatin and we're going to come back and we, we have a lot more to talk about there's some great things uh, they're doing in gallatin we're going to talk about that so stay right here with us with more of sumner county spotlight fnm bank presents sumner county spotlights since 1906 fnm bank has been serving middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbag.com.
And we're back with this Sunday's edition of Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, Jeff Shannon here. We continue our conversation with Mayor Paige Brown, the 62nd mayor of the city of Gallatin. And, you know, it's so nice you taking your time to come in here because I know how, how busy things are over there. You have so many things going on. And just want to address the, the, I guess, the courthouse building and mm-hmm. things that are going. That's a major project down yes, there. Hundred, hundred, more than a hundred million dollar project. Of course, that's the county's project, not yeah. the city's. Yeah. Although we are partnering with them on a parking garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to change the skyline of downtown. That's for certain. So yeah, that's been going on. It's been really crazy to see this crane looming over everywhere you go around downtown <laughs> felt but, like it was downtown you know it's uh-huh. like I, know. I think at one time somebody told me downtown that they had 87 cranes in the air probably it was like oh my gosh look at this it was mm-hmm. like amazing mm-hmm. but so the thing that i like that you all are doing is you're preserving that history and the look especially in the square doing whatever improvements they're going to do down there they're going to maintain that feel of mm-hmm. history i think so i think it will flow well with the existing historic square and it does keep our court system downtown which was very important Mm -hmm. to the existing businesses downtown and so we tried to work with the county so that that desire of theirs would be honored it's on it's being built if you've not seen it it's quite something it's big so this leads me to another question i know you guys just got a new fire engine Mm -hmm. is that going to account or for the ladder going higher because you are going a little no it's not going to demand us to have to go any higher because we already have christian towers which is like two streets over from where the courthouse is and it's going to be if not the same height higher but no we're fine with all that so city police and fire would respond to that courthouse area even though it's a a county kind of project so it's not like oh you're in the county you can't right no 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 no. they're still in the city jurisdiction of course they will have i'm sure their share of sheriff's deputies down there attending anything and i heard some great things i mean they're they're beefing up the security for that building for Mm -hmm. the so i think you really need and these it's sad to say but you really need that need these days, you know yeah. for our our prosecutors our attorneys our judges and everybody that's coming in there so it's gonna be a uh, modern judicial center yeah well that's great and and you know fit it all in mm-hmm. uh i haven't seen the renderings of the outside of the building is is it um similar to where it will flow with the library which okay. is next door so it's it's not necessarily historical okay architecture but it it's not glaringly like ultra modern uh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah 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 okay. yeah 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 <laughs> it's not a it's not a concrete and steel with lots of glass structure right okay it's, it's, well that's 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 great what kind of projects do you have going on in the square well right now you know a lot of what we've done in the square in recent years has been about beautification um, we have some fabulous investments that have been made that certainly have created a more sustainable downtown the 106 building certainly comes to mind that's lots of individual businesses at least space in that building there's mm-hmm. a coffee shop on the main floor another one was built out what used to be gallatin furniture was built out so that you have retail space down below and up above you have apartments so i'm i'm loving the transformations yeah, that are happening great. having that residential component on those upper levels is not just cool and trendy it is highly desired right. and so i appreciate these property owners who are making what is a very expensive investment to provide that because mm-hmm. we have several years ago we we've started the push to um get those downtown buildings okay. sprinkled yeah because 
that's such a tremendous piece of our history and so much of the character of Gallatin. You know, one fire could be devastating to a large section of the square, as has happened in the past. Well, at least the fire station is right close. It is, it <laughs> is. But, um, you know, just buildings were built differently then, and, and mm. there was the potential for a fire to spread. And so we have mitigated that to a large degree with um, building owners on board to make that make that push continue. Yeah. So those things um, still have a couple of properties that I'm interested to see what's going to happen with reinvestment there. And then we have focused, both myself and our economic development agency, have really focused on what might be a good investment in the periphery of what is our historic square. Mm-hmm. Because if you go all the way around what we know of as the square, I believe there are opportunities there for investment, similar to what's happened in other communities around their historic downtown. Franklin, of course, is a great example Mm -hmm. um, where you could come in and you could do some housing. You could do certainly some services and commercial and retail that would not take away from the square, but contribute to it. And so I look forward to that day. Yeah. well, And I like that we we maintain that feel. Mm -hmm. In case in point, Comer Barn property and the development of that and the revitalization of that property is could be is so valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the school system is going to be running that kind of thing, which is going to make educational opportunities, mm-hmm. other events, things happening in there. I think is incredible that we're preserving that and bringing it in. But you know, you're attracting a lot of these great businesses mm-hmm. coming down there because they like the feel. And that's the, the thing I, that I like. You go down, you get a different feel when you come in into Gallatin. And you have all these businesses, like my, my friends over at Stomping Grounds. Mm-hmm. They just o- open it up over there. And that's... Right by my house. They are. I love them. They're opening and, a new one And they're doing such a great business. And you have a lot of other businesses that are, that are popping in there, too. We are. We're finally getting, like I said, some... We're not seeing... We've got some retail development. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to shop in Gallatin for certain things. So Hendersonville should thank us. But... Um, <laughs> But certainly some restaurants. And, of course, the trend now in eating, largely because the workforce demands, is kind of what you would call the fast casual where you order at the counter and sit down. And so we've got chicken salad chicks coming in, McAllister's, Whataburger, some of those kinds of restaurants that people are excited about. Double dogs. Yeah, double dogs. Love double dogs. People (laughs) love double dogs. Go and take your puppy. And um, and, and I I love the atmosphere of that venue. I just think it's a really neat restaurant that, you know, gives you access to the outdoors, although it really is in an urban setting. Interestingly, Gallatin has two Publixes in the world, so we will have three Publixes in my little town of Gallatin. <laughs> you mentioned the Comer Barn, and that, when I used to come home to Tennessee, and I would, back then you had to get off the interstate down in Madison, mm-hmm. and you would come down what we know as Gallatin Road or Nashville Pike, and I would come in to go to my house. Well, that Comer house and barn is all that remains of what used to be that stretch of road that I drove mm-hmm. where I saw where we lived. Yeah. And before all the traffic got there. Well, well, <laughs> before the traffic, but before the apartments and before I'm challenged sometimes by by people's thought because I constantly hear we need to preserve our farmland. Well, two problems with that. It's not our farmland. Yeah. Right. And frankly, it's not farmland. I mean, agriculture has become so challenging yeah. that it's not existing in our city. Um, well, then the people they're, don't, they're, 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 they're aging and they don't really no. want to farm that land. It's too much work. I mean, it is a, no. a lot 
to go through when you're especially when you summon the the farmland the size of those properties mm-hmm. are, are just amazing well and just the maintenance even when you're not producing dollars off your land yeah. i have uh, you know i tell the story sometimes my 80 year old dad spends so much time bush hogging the property that he has beyond mm-hmm. that this is land that my family has been paying various notes on since the 1950s (laughs) and the taxes and it's not income producing and so at some point that can't be kept up yeah well you know speak we're talking to farms Mm -hmm. let's talk goat farm oh that's so exciting (laughs) here it goes yeah but what an amazing uh, project that's going to be and when is that expected to, to break ground i think they're hoping that they can start the first of the year we had um, a meeting recently about it and i knew that they were looking forward to that um, that's been a really fun project for me to get to be involved with sure. just a little bit I remember going down with the first discussions and meeting with the predators and getting to know mr smith a little bit and, mm-hmm. and you know his love of hockey and his uh, um, willingness to help see this be a reality it's just been exciting well it was when they had the announcement there at the uh, tourism building Mm -hmm. and nash was there all the predator uh, folks were not all of them but the the representatives were there it was a great turnout Mm -hmm. so i think people are really excited because you're bringing in you're bringing residential so you Mm -hmm. have some residential you're going to have commercial you're going to have the ice rink it's going to really revitalize that little area right Mm -hmm. through there well it's just really bringing a great opportunity and the thing that i liked about it like me personally i like to ice skate but i don't have children i don't understand the challenges of having kids that play hockey or figure skate or whatever they Mm -hmm. do on ice Mm -hmm. but um the thing that i love about this project is that this isn't going to be gallatin's ice rink it's not going to be hendersonville it's going to be our counties and our areas and so the way that we have agreed to have this developed is you know everybody pitches in a portion of it will be in gallatin the ice rink will actually be in the county Mm -hmm. and then there's some opportunity for hendersonville to participate with their surrounding property and and i uh, constantly am having these conversations this should be a model of cooperation between Mm -hmm. um, government entities absolutely to make something happen and yes we are going to participate in some way because there's no investor that's going to go build that kind of amenity because the revenue does not support the investment yeah, yeah. and and so to find a way to make this happen and make it work um, on multiple levels for different interested parties is exciting yeah well i can't wait and you know when they get ready to do it i mean you, it's so visible you're going to know when they're starting the project and starting to build all that down there but i, I just couldn't imagine the scope of just digging up the dirt mm-hmm. well i call it it's not really dirt it's rock Rock. (laughs) (laughs) and you know i I feel for the folks over you know in the residential areas because you know there's going to be blasting Uh so there's going to be a period of time where folks are going to just have to you know Mm -hmm. grit your teeth a little bit and and shuttle through it until we get past it but i in the long run it's going to be great economically it's going to be great for for sport so many different ways it's going to be a great project well an interesting note about you know that area and the impact on the surrounding residential that's where i grew up I grew up out there off of Douglas Bend, and when I moved back to Tennessee, I actually owned two other houses in that area where I lived until I moved into the city of Gallatin so I'd be eligible to run for mayor. Mm -hmm. So that's my home. Well, guess what? Our home was one of the first ones back there. So I spent my entire first 40 years when I lived in Tennessee dealing with rogers group blasting Mm -hmm. and with every blasting that had to occur for every house that was built (laughs) 
um, on Station Camp or Cage's Bin or Douglas Bin. I mean, that was, and so again, talk about people that you move here in recent years. They're up in arms saying, don't blast near my home because you'll damage my property. Well, guess what? When your home was built, you were blasting near somebody else's home. Yeah, right. And and so we all have to work together. Absolutely. And and to me, the character of your community is about the spirit of your people. We have to work together to sustain that, to perpetuate that for, for future residents mm-hmm. of our community. And if we become bitter and hateful and unwelcoming, we're not going to be very happy. We're going to hurt ourselves. And so I hope that people will think about, you know, what kind of community we want to be and how our role in it leads to a positive future or a less positive future. Well, it sounds like a great close to finish off this, this oh, segment. Uh, anything else you want to add to that? Because you were on a roll. No, just, you know, I, I try to tell people that the most important thing that we can do in this life is to extend grace to others. And I have to remind myself to do it because sometimes what I do is um, not as rewarding as I wish it would be, <laughs> but that's part of what I signed up for. Yeah. And and so I think extending grace is something important for all of us to do for each other, especially in considering these last couple of years we've Absolutely. had because they've been tough. That's why you have amazing grace and grit because you got to fight through that and go through it and everything's going to be a lot better. Yeah. And we just have to just love on each other. That's right. <laughs> our, well, gra- our grace grit and someone threw a new one at me yesterday and I think it fits Gallatin great, Gusto. Gusto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to fit that in the logo now. now I think that's lovely. <laughs> it a, is. A, 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 a lovely energy to add to that. Well, listen, you know, thank you so much for, for coming in. We appreciate your, your time here. There's so much more we can, gosh, we can continue this on, but uh, I know you got to run and, you know, take care of business. <laughs> well, it's certainly my pleasure and I appreciate so much the attention that WHIN gives to our community, the local uh, you know, showcase like this, but mm-hmm. then just the programming that you do to expose people to our area that is so very special to all of us. And well, so, and, uh, you know, we're talking about the age of, of Gallatin, how long they've been around, and this radio station's been around 73 years, and it's like, hey, we're, we're part of history you're, here you're, in Sumner you're, County. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're part of 30% of Gallatin's history. Isn't that That's amazing right. to think? It, yeah, yeah it, it is amazing. So, Well, okay, we finish up our conversation here with Mayor Paige Brown of the city of Gallatin. We appreciate that. Uh, Stand by. We have more coming on Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon here. Um, Got another guest in the studio right now. I I want to introduce to you Magnolia Williams. Now, she's a singer-songwriter, and she just had a a new Christmas song drop. How convenient that is. That's great. It's called The Night Heaven Kissed Earth, and you can find it anywhere you listen to to music, Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora, etc. So uh, you can also find her on Instagram at Magnolia Williams uh, underscore, and on Twitter, how do you keep up with all this? I, 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 I do it. And she's Magnolia Music underscore, right? Yeah. Uh, so, hey, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jeff. All right. So let, let's uh, just jump right in. How did you get started singing and songwriting and doing all this famous stuff? Sure. I think the quickest answer is probably genetics. My dad did music my whole life. Uh, He's a singer-songwriter. His name's Jerry Sally. And so I obviously grew up seeing him do his music. Okay. He would have a lot of writing sessions at the house and stuff. So I guess that sort of rubbed off on me. 
And then in about middle school, I think, is when I started learning guitar, writing songs. And I was really quiet and shy about it. And then one time my sister overheard me singing and playing in my room and she was like, we gotta go show everybody this. <laughs> and I was humiliated, but I And knew. how old were you then? I was in middle school. I think I was yeah. probably in seventh grade. Okay. Um, so I was probably about 11 or 12. Do you remember the song you were singing? I think I was singing some song about, a, like I made it up about a fairy tale. It okay. was like, come and rescue me. I don't know. It was like I was a damsel in distress, you know. I don't know. A middle school girl problems. And then I knew I needed to show my dad, so I was brave and sort of showed him and my family. And How nervous was that? I was so nervous. (laughs) Yeah, I was so nervous. But again, I knew I needed to do it, rip the Band-Aid off, if you will. And so then they thought it was great. We recorded it at one of my dad's friend's studios and... Um, I got to do like harmonies on it and stuff. The lady who recorded us, I forget her name, but she she uh, recorded the guitar and I got to sing the vocals on it and I felt so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that is cool. Yeah, and then um, my dad like put it on a CD and we got to play it for like my grandparents. That was when I was like, okay, this is really fun. Like I wanna do this. Well, how nervous that would be to walk in a professional studio, go into the booth, they tell you, okay, there's your microphone, don't touch it, start singing. <laughs> You're going, yeah (laughs) it was actually really casual like my sisters came with me too it didn't feel like that at all like it was all the pressure was kind of off it was really fun i don't know i guess like the initial ripping off the band-aid was just like being having my family know like i do this because they didn't even know i like wrote songs or because i had taken like two guitar lessons after that i just continued to teach myself on like youtube and everything so how do you write a song i mean how does somebody become a songwriter? And especially early on, I mean, how do you know that I want to write a song? There's got to be a lot of thought and process and different forms that you have to go through in your head to make this thing come out. Yeah, I think it can start in a lot of different ways. For me, oftentimes a hook will come to me. Like one of my songs is called Space. And the hook for that is you think that I'm light years away. I always said that I needed space. And so like, I'll just oftentimes think of something like that and then just work around it. But it's like when inspiration strikes really. And so- And you never know when that is. (laughs) You never know when that's gonna be. And sometimes you can sort of, I I don't wanna say force it, but if I have a hook and I really wanna write a song around it, then I have to come up with the rest of it and you sort of have to get in the headspace of thinking about it. And I used to be a member of NSAI and some somebody I, that consulted me on my songs, he said something that really helps me when I write songs now. And it was every line that you write in the song should reflect what you're trying to say in the song. So it should reflect the hook of the song as well. And I I always wonder, because some people, the melody comes to them first. Yeah. And then some people, you know, the hook comes to them or Mm -hmm. they're just in a weird place sitting at a restaurant and then hmm, they start jotting things down. How many great songs have been written on napkins? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So how does that process work with you? I guess it either way. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's when I'm driving and just like kind of thinking existentially or something. Sometimes, like I said, like I'll be like, I wanna write a new song and so I'll just sit down and like wait mm-hmm. until something comes to me or I really like like play on words. So hopefully one of the songs that I'll be releasing early next year is gonna be In This Case. It's kind of a play on words because it's I'm talking about In This Case of Wine 
but it's like in this case, in our situation, in okay. our scenario. Right. Interesting. But then it's yeah. like I'm drowning in wine. Like I'm, you know <laughs> what I mean? It's like a play on situations. And I just, what I love, I, I love wordplay. Okay. And so I oftentimes will just like think of phrases in ways that I can manipulate them into being something clever and just kind of work around that. No, that's great. I always sit and wonder, you hear some of these great songs, they become these huge hits and you just wonder, how did that get started mm-hmm. like that? And now do you have somebody that you write with that you collab with frequently or is it just just you? It's mostly just me. I'm really wanting to get into co-writing more. It's so you been- want to go down and hang out on Music Row and you know, <laughs> no. just go house to house and <laughs> I would I wish I don't know it's one of those things if it was I'm, still like that yeah, yeah that would be awesome I have a friend named Rachel Hughes who I mostly write co-write with and she's like the only person I've ever really co-written actual songs with yeah I would love to get into co-writing more so yeah it, it helps you because how many times do you get a block it's just like i got nothing it's just the wall is up it just sometimes that collaboration opens it up and it's like okay key that's very (laughs) very true i do i love that it can get difficult when you both have a block or if me and rachel would run into this sometime you kind of have like a different idea for the song and you kind of birth it together and so it's both of your babies and so it's, you kind of have that tug and pull not knowing really where to go with it because sure. it's well and that's where that in case you have a case of wine there that <laughs> yeah. kind of opens it up right there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i'm okay. renewed which oftentimes we do so. <laughs> well and you get a you know a different perspective on things but just traveling and like being in weird spots do you get cues like that there's something like in, you just look out in the sky and they, oh that okay it just cues you to something to write yes i'm sure i do i don't know i feel like maybe i don't get out much (laughs) but i'm sure i'm sure that that happens oftentimes i just my brain is just very thinky and complicated and like that's where most things come from or or you're listening to some football games and you hear some crazy announcer on there you know yelling (laughs) at the the microphone Uh, you never know that could be a a hit song i think yeah (laughs) might get some inspiration somewhere yeah (laughs) so what do you see in your writing aspect is it something that you you want to pursue more writing or actually performing that's a really good question my niche i think is the word like my most comfortable place in music is actually doing background vocals okay what i've done since like 2010 i think i started doing background vocal work for my dad for mostly bluegrass artists Mm -hmm. i was in middle school like figuring out that i like to do music i realized that i'm obsessed with harmony and so i think that's where my love of doing background vocal work came into that's where i thrive really i guess Okay, where you're dropping a new song, a Christmas song, as a matter of fact. And then the name of the song, it's called The Night Heaven Kissed Earth. Now, were you the songwriter on that? I was not. My dad wrote that song with his friend Aaron Wilburn. So my dad, Jerry Sally, wrote that with Aaron Wilburn. And uh, they actually wrote it in 1999. And so I'll be like the third or fourth person to, to cut this song. And in 1999, when it came out originally by Gina Jeffries, she's an Australian artist. I listen to it all the time. Okay. And so it's really surreal that I got to, to cut it. All right. We got to take a listen. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, Magnolia Williams right now and the night heaven kissed her. Heaven was silent as angels stood by, anxiously waiting to hear his first cry his journey from glory to a bethlehem stall brought god down to man and gave 
Great song, Magnolia Williams, right here at the Sumner County Spotlight. And we've been talking with Magnolia here. And this uh, new song that she's dropping is Heaven Kissed Earth. And, you know, it, it's just incredible the, the amount of talent we have here in Middle Tennessee and the history that we have. And we're, we're glad that you're adding to that. So thank, thank you so much for coming in and visiting with us, you know, sharing this. Uh, now, we do have the Santa Show coming up here. And this might be a good song to play on the, the Santa Show. Sure, I'd love that. That'll be great. Well, listen, thanks very much for for coming in. This is Jeff Shannon. Let's wrap it up another edition of Summer County Spotlight right here at WHIN. Join us next Sunday at 10. Now, we also have this uh, show dropping on our podcast page at whinradio.com. All right, that's going to wrap it up. We'll check you next time. So long. 
Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by F&M Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, F&M Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.